represented by members of the Syracuse, New York class. My name is Sharon Welch, and I'll be your moderator for this class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. Since that time, we have established brand schools throughout the United States Canada, and other certain foreign countries. The Syracuse, New York branch was established in 1969. The dean of the Syracuse, New York class is Dr. Patrick Trevison. Our president is Dr. Robert Welch. And our vice president is Dr. John Cometti. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the father, the word or son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to read Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And the Holy Spirit. The true name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah and proper renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Excuse me. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in that state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud painted all around the edges of this chart to show you 
that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. <clears throat> Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in that pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself, known as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, the self-same spirit manifested himself and walked the earth plane known as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also in the school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go about to show proof that how that everything is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Ten primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation ages. Seventh is discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons of children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification 
and the New World State. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. <clears throat> At this time, I'd like to have the class uh, dedicated in prayer by uh, Dr. Uh, Jerry Geller from our Oceanside, California class, and that'll be followed by a scripture, which is Romans, the eighth chapter, and that and all scriptures will be read by Dr. Uh, Scott Miller from our Syracuse, New York class, and Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class will be our other scripture reader for this class. Let us all bow our hearts and minds. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we are so, so grateful that you have called us out of the world, that you have chosen us before time began to be a son in you. And we ask today that you still our minds from all the pressures and all the woes of this world and allow us to concentrate on the wonderful things you have in store for them that love the truth. This we ask in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening and afternoon, class. Tonight's scripture will be read out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments. Critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Trana of the Scripture Research Association. Romans, the eighth chapter. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh because of sin to condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against Yahweh, for it is not subject to the law of Yahweh, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please Yahweh. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of Yahweh dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of the Messiah, he is none of his. And if the Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Yahshua from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Yahshua from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the desires of the flesh, you shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the desires of the flesh, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of Yahweh, they are the sons of Yahweh. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of Yahweh. And if children, then heirs, heirs of Yahweh, and joint heirs with the Messiah. If we suffer with him, we may be glorified together also. 
For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of Yahweh. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in, in hope. But the creation itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of Yahweh. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the sons according to the will of Yahweh. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love Yahweh, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to the, these things? If Yahweh be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of Yahweh's elect? It is Yahweh that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is the Messiah that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of Yahweh? Who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of the Messiah? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Yahweh, which is in Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. That's Romans, the eighth chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Scott Miller. I'd like to thank everyone that is... Uh, attending on our Zoom room and also those that are viewing us on our YouTube channel and hopes that uh, we all uh, learn more about our Savior, Yahshua. And at this time, I will refer back to our Dean, Dr. Patrick Trivison, to call on the first speaker. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. At this time, 
I am happy to introduce our first speaker from our Syracuse branch, Dr. Frank DeMassey. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Hey, Frank. Good afternoon. I kind of felt that coming. <laughs> um, this is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Wow. My prayer is someday that I'll be able to truly comprehend and and consume everything that's in it. There's so much. Yeah. But let's just see what we can glean out of it. And uh, we'll start right from the beginning. I'm going to interrupt you, Scott, when I see I'm not trying to be rude. So I'm trying to get our timing together so I don't be abrupt. Go ahead. I got it. God, by the way, if you'd like, I got it. Go ahead. Okay, Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in the Messiah, Yahshua, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, stop right there, Bruce. All right, before coming into class, you know, we, we all had our own theories, our own concepts, our own opinions on our beliefs and, and the way to be reverent to our creator. We had no idea or concept of Yahweh or Yahweh's purpose or our old covenant or a new covenant. Um, me being raised a Catholic, I was brought up with the understanding that that old covenant, the Ten Commandment laws, those were the standards to live by. I had no understanding, no idea. Yeah, thanks for that. I wanted to get the covenant chart up. And everything about that old covenant, first of all, what I didn't even realize or know, that me being a Gentile, it was never meant for a Gentile. It was only meant for Jews and Jews only. That's right. We didn't know that before coming into this class and sitting down and listening to this gospel. And everything about that old covenant, it was a physical way of worship. It was tedious. It was hard. It wasn't easy. They couldn't. There was 10 commandments and 603 ordinances. That's 613 obligations or laws that they tried to abide by. And Adam and Eve had one. Don't touch the fruit, and they couldn't keep it. How are you going to keep 613? And look at now, in, in today's world, in, in Catholicism, they've got over 2,000 different tenets and laws now that that they're trying to uh, put on their, their, their people. But only by mercy and grace that we have been called out of that world, and we've been, through Yahshua, revealing it to us, been able to see and understand what that old covenant was, what the new covenant is, is and the difference and in, in why he came in, Yahshua the Messiah came in and died the death of an outcast dog. Why did he do it? I always think, well, he died for our sins. Well, I was thinking, well, I wasn't alive. What sins did I do? You know, why did he? But what he did, he conquered the principle of death, hell, and the grave. Those sins were nailed to the cross. The physical ways of worship were fulfilled. That's everything he did. I, we didn't know nothing about being fulfilled. But everything about that old covenant, it was it was temporal, 
It was physical. Everything about it was difficult, and, and they couldn't keep it. And the penalty of breaking the law was death. You broke one, you broke them all. And they couldn't, so the, the beauty of this is, is, is once we sit in this class and start to understand and recognize Yahweh's purpose, is that's what the it, it had a can I have the go back to the uh, tabernacle chart? Yeah, see, it's a it was a threefold uh, compartment, and it had an altar of sin sacrifice. So, how Yahweh set it up, because the penalty of sin was death, that He allowed an animal or, or something to come and die in their stead, so that that was their salvation, because the penalty of sin was death. Mm -hmm. We didn't know anything about. A tabernacle or or you know but then you start to realize well yeah there's candles at church there's incense in church there's uh angels in church there's water in church all these things well now i know where all that came from because that's all that mystery of iniquity is he's a copycat all right let's read back so read that scripture again okay romans 8 and 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, so now that old covenant, everything about that old covenant, it was fleshly. And it had and, and it never it never allowed them to have a, a clean conscience. They were always uh, had a condemned conscience. And that's why when, when Yahshua came and he died and he suffered and he nailed, he fulfilled all that law, all right, he nailed it to the cross. And now after Pentecost, now the very spirit that they thought they nailed to the cross, now that very spirit was placed in men on a permanent basis. Because before that, in that old covenant, that spirit of Yahweh was placed in men, but it was on, it was on a temporary basis. It was not on a permanent basis. It was set up that way. He had to come in. He had, he had to fulfill all the things that... All, let's go back to, to Exodus, uh, where they say I, the marriage. I, I do. What's that, Exodus uh, 20? I don't even know where it is. Yeah, that's when the commandments were given. Well, that's, that's the Ten Commandments. Exodus that, 19. Yeah, 19. Exodus 19 and, um, let's see, 19 and 8, I guess. Um, Exodus 19 and 8, and all the people answered together and said, all that Yahweh has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto Yahweh. Right, so that, that's the Ten Commandments and 603 ordinances. And Israel is saying to Yahweh, yep, all you said, thou shalt and we will do. But they couldn't do. It was meant, it was set up that way. They didn't have the heart in them to do it. And that's the difference of this covenant and, and the old covenant. And 
and Yahweh's purpose, he's preparing a heart for us. And it's him converting and, and, and reflecting his image in our hearts, in our minds. Before coming to the class, we had eyes, we had ears, we had a heart, but we had no spiritual understanding. So in principle, we had a, a stony heart. We had eyes that didn't see. We had ears that didn't hear. We had a brain that didn't know or understand any spiritual principles about our creator. We thought we knew. We all had our theories and concepts and opinions. But that's the revelation. And that's the whole personal Pentecost is when you've got to come to the realization that everything that you were taught, everything that you thought, everything that you recognized to be true or to be righteous or to be good, wasn't so good, wasn't so righteous. We were fooled. We were we were deceived, and, and we didn't know it. But by grace and mercy, now our eyes are opened. Our spiritual eyes are open. Our heart is converted. We have a, we don't have a, a stony heart anymore. We have a spiritual, a, a, a fleshly heart that feels, that's tender, that's long suffering, that's considerate. That's a nature. That nature that they nailed to the cross. Now that very nature has been placed in men on a permanent basis. And now there's no there's now no no more condemnation. If you're in that, if Yahshua has revealed himself to you, now in Romans 8 in that first stanza, that's what he's talking about. That's that fleshly heart. There's no condemnation in it. We have been com converted. We have been uh, conformed to his image. The very nature of our creator has been placed in us. And it's not on our own volition that we did that and we could accomplish that. It's by grace only and it's by mercy. Okay, we, let's go back and read the second. Okay, Rom Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I'm talking about laws, all right? You know, there's all kinds of laws. We're talking about the law of the spirit of life. This is Yahshua. We could go to Psalms 19, where it says the, the law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about a conversion of the soul and how Yahweh's purpose works. And how it works is by the foolishness of preaching this gospel, that the souls that were predestined to hear this gospel, we're going to be changed. They're going to be converted. A light bulb is going to go on in their mind. The, the understanding and knowledge is going to penetrate the core of their being. All of a sudden, all their things that they decided that they they initially loved and pursued are going to be not so important anymore. And they're going to recognize the importance of, of the flesh and then the real true importance of the spirit. And it's only by revelation. Can't do it on your own. Read it again, Bruce. Remember, please. Romans 8 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Yeah, again, you know, every time I hear that, it's just my, one of my favorite sayings. That it's bad when you, when you had a career in a jail. You understand about being locked up and being free. And I was 
in many many a, a, a dorm or a cell and talk to inmates and and the preachers that were come to to talk to them would say that Jesus would set you free. And you know I would get frustrated because yeah I mean Jesus will set you free, but when you're set free, you're at risk of being locked up again. But the truth don't set you free. The truth makes you free. Once you recognize and understand the truth, you can never no more go back to the lie because it's been exposed. You realize and understand that he can't deceive you anymore with Jesus. He can't deceive you anymore. Get on your knees and open up your heart and let Jesus in. Uh, he can't deceive you and saying, well, you know, uh, um, uh, I got to believe first and, and then I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. Uh, he can't deceive us like that anymore. And it's not our wisdom or intelligence that recognizes it. It's Yahshua in us that had allowed us to see it, understand it. All right, read on, please. Uh, third verse. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, Yahweh sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That right. the righteous, Go ahead, read on, I'm sorry. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And that's the difference. When we came into class, we had no spiritual understanding. Dr. Kinley would say that we were dead on arrival. We were physically alive, we were breathing, but we had no spiritual understanding or any recognition of truth in our lives. Our truth was our own truth, was our own ways, what we were raised, whatever whatever we were brought up in, in, in either by our ethnic background or, or by our neighborhood where we lived, whatever. The point is, is we had no spiritual understanding. True. And by grace and mercy, through the preaching of this gospel, and the recognition that he gives you, he, he allows you to realize the love he has for you, that he suffered that death of an outcast dog to conquer and fulfill and give us the opportunity to have his spirit placed in us on a permanent basis. So that old covenant, all it did, it was temporal. It didn't, he always had a condemned conscience. I mean, for me personally, my infamous story uh, I was always, I was raised Catholicism. I was always under condemnation. And I didn't have the guts or the hoops or whatever you want to say to blame the church. I blamed myself. I said, man, what kind of person am I that I can't, I can't walk 15 minutes home without needing to go to confession. And, and I got to serve mass the next morning. And what am I going to do? Am I going to take the cracker with a sin on my soul and and uh, threaten and die and go to hell. Uh, these are all things that, that we were prisoners of and didn't know. We didn't even know we didn't know. That's why we should realize and, and appreciate the gift that's been given to us and, re and understand and know that we've been divinely invited to this class to, to hear this gospel. This isn't happenstance. This isn't luck. This was predestined. We were all set up from the foundations of the world. The ones that are going to hear, the ones that were called. This is a gift of grace. 
All right, read on. Fifth verse. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Okay, stop right there again. I'm not trying to be a broken record, but you got to understand the difference between the old covenant and the new because, or, or having a revelation or having a delusion. That old covenant was fleshly. It was physical. It was temporal. Their, their God was their belly. Their God was whatever they wanted it to be. They didn't have the heart in them. It was purposed that way. And on the other side, it's Yahshua in you causing you to do things. It's not no more, I got to go this, or I got to do that, or I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. No, Yahshua in you, he's going to make you want to. He's going to change the way you think. He's going to change the way you feel. He's going to change what you pursue. And it's all him. It's not, you know, you're not the spearhead of this and, and decided, well, I, I'll accept this and, and uh, Jesus in my heart. And, and now, now it's okay and we'll do this. No, that's not it at all. It's him causing you. You're not even in the picture. Not that it's not you. You're a reflection of him because he's putting his nature in you. All right, read on. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Yeah, that's why this is called the law of sin and death, aren't that old covenant. That's what it was. It was a law of sin and death because you, you couldn't keep it. Right. And, and Yahshua is the law of the spirit of life. And, and that's Yahshua in you, your only hope of glory. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And look at the world, what the devil did. The world, what what the church has done, they've just put that old covenant right across the, they moved it over the cross and put it on the right-hand side, took off old and put new, but the same principles, the same things are established now, and they're saying that this is the way to be reverent to your creator. And that's the law of the spirit of death because it's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's how we have to realize the gift of grace that we've received, that we're not, that mystery has been exposed to us. He's not going to fool us. He can't. Dr. Killing would say, once you understand it and you see this thing, you're going to die that way. You can't go back to the way you were. If you see anything in this gospel, you're going to die just that way because you can't go back. You can't change your mind and say, well, you know, this is great, but um, I, I'm going to go back to Jesus and get on my knees. Or for me, go back to uh, the grotto and get on my knees and pray to Mary. You know, all those things are done and over with. You you can't do it. It's against your nature. You realize, you recognize. It's, it's like when, you're just, when you've been duped, you're not going to get duped again. You understand. You see it. Right, read on. Seventh verse. Because the carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh, for it is not subject to the law of Yahweh, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please Yahweh. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference. We have to recognize what a blessing in the difference. They, they don't see the difference between a spiritual mind and a carnal mind. A spiritual mind can understand 
and recognize manifestations and see spiritual principles. But a carnal mind, all they're going to see is they're going to see that physical manifestation, but they're not going to recognize or understand the spiritual principles representing because it's blocked. It's not, they're not allowed because they weren't predestined and set up from the foundations of the world to see it. That's just how it is. That's just how this gospel works. You know, we could go to Romans, the, the 10th chapter, or is it 9? 9 or 10, talking about the, the clay and, and the potter. The clay can't say to the potter, hey, why did you make me this way? He's the potter. He's the creator. He can make vessels to honor, and he's going to make vessels to dishonor. Okay, read on. 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of Yahweh dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of the Messiah, he is none of his. And if the Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Right. Again, because... We recognize and understand the value of the flesh. I'm not saying it's it's not good or, or it's not uh, proper to, to pursue physical fleshly things. Certainly, comfort is there if you pursue it. But if, if, if that comes priority over your love of the truth or, or your love of sharing this gospel, then there's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. A spiritual mind is going to have the whole nature of that mystery, that righteous mystery is that you're going to be glorifying your father. And the other side, you're going to be glorifying yourself. You're going to be glorifying your belly. You're going to be glorifying uh, everything about your ideas and your thoughts and your theories and concepts and opinions because you didn't have a revelation. And that's the whole deal of us, what we do. What this, this gospel is about is converting and saving souls. It's preaching this gospel that we don't know sometime, somewhere out there in Zoomland that some soul is going to hear this and they were set up to hear and all of a sudden that light goes on and all of a sudden all their nature, all their things, are, their interests have changed and, and they're going to pursue and, and grow and, and start to love this truth and, and say, wow, I've proved it by a simple threefold tabernacle pattern or, or with the death, the burial, the resurrection or a blood and the water and the spirit. All those principles we start to see and understand. And, and that's what solidifies your faith. That's what that's your foundation. That's how you believe. You don't believe by crossing your fingers and crossing your toes and hoping. Because if, if, if it's there, what are you hoping for? You see it, you, you know. And that's how, what is it, eternal life? The John 17, 3 is to know your creator. Great. Knowledge. And once you know something, it doesn't take away from what you have when you share it. It's your nature to share. All right, read on. 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Yahshua from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Yahshua from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. 
For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Again, and that's only going to come by a divine revelation of Yahshua being in you. He, he is going to reveal that, that value of the flesh compared to the value of understanding of the spirit. And it's a gift. And it's not something that, you, again, you're not going to choose on your own volition saying, I'm, I'm going to choose this and I'm going to believe this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this. If, if you could do that, then you would need a savior. Gosh. He could, you could do it on your own. That's why he died that death of an outcast dog. That's why he suffered. And that's what we're, you know, people think that, well, okay, that you're just going to be automatically converted and, and you're going to have, you know, you're going to fly around with, with angel wings and, and you know, in, in clouds and everything's going to be, everything's white and hunky and dory and all that kind of stuff. It's not that way. Romans 1, 19 and 20, it's a growth process. And we're going to make mistakes. But the whole point is, is what's different from us that we were is before we had no conscience. It didn't prick us. But now... We have a conscience that's sensitive and pricks you and said, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And you won't do it again because you don't want that feeling of guilt. That's a condemned conscience. That's what this whole start right from one. That's what has not been, that's not existing in the law of the spirit of life. There's no condemnation. Okay. We have a pure conscience because we follow our, our, our conscience. We follow Yahshua's rules or laws that have been placed in us, our nature. And it's, again, it's a gift. And it's and, we, and once you recognize it, all you can do is, is be humbled and appreciate and appreciative of what you've received and have a desire to share with anyone that will listen. And it's not for your glory, but it's you're trying to glorify your father. So I hope someone got something out of that. Uh, I'm going to give up the floor. And I'm going to give all honor and all glory to Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. DeMassey. And at this time, we refer back to the dean to call the next speaker. Thank you, Sharon. I am very pleased now to call upon our next speaker from the Syracuse branch Dr. Deb Kometty. I'd like to say good evening to everybody. Hi, Deb. And just continue on. Uh, Frank got us going. He got us thinking. Got the ball rolling about this gospel and uh, the joy and the blessing that we, we share with each other. Um, this is a great, a great chapter, and uh, I too had a feeling, Frank, it was it was going to be your day, <laughs> because Frank he always lets us know that this is his favorite, and uh, no doubt it's just you know it's just packed and it's just so good. So uh, you know, just in carrying on, um, Paul is just you know he's just. He's, his heart is so full with the revelation of Yahshua, the Messiah. And he's just, you know, 
bringing out so many aspects of the new covenant and how um, he too had to walk the walk of a carnal mind under the law, the Mosaic law. And then he, it shows over there in Acts, the seventh chapter that he was converted and it's quite descriptive how, you know, all the things that Paul goes through and um, there's actually, you know, scales upon his eyes and then they fall off. And um, we may not have that actual physical testimony of ourselves, but we definitely know the feeling that we were blinded. And then we come into this class, however you got here, uh, it's a miracle. Yahshua leading us in, in different, you know, pathways. And all of a sudden, he shows us something. He shows us something that is so profound that we know it, it's different from anything we've ever experienced before. Um I wasn't raised Catholic, but I certainly was raised in a strict religious upbringing. And when I came into class and um, I was very, very young and I came into class and I knew that there was something profound here. And, you know, it starts with the name and then it goes on. You know, they they bring you up and they start building upon that foundation that God has a name and he wants you to know it and he wants you to use it. And you begin this relationship and it's, you know, when we were in the scripture, uh, something that, you know, when, when Scott was reading something that just caught my ear so hard, uh, let's just read in the 30th verse. 30. Romans. Uh, Romans 8 and 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If Yahweh be for us, who can be against us? Now, you, it just caught my ear so hard when, when Scott was reading that, because I'm just thinking... This is the creator of the universe. Okay, let's go over um, to Colossians, the first chapter from it. This is the creator of the universe. Okay, and, and what is so important about understanding that he's the creator of the universe is because you've got to see his power and his majesty and all the things that he is capable of in fine detail and in mag magnitude so that you see that he has this creative ability to create something in you. So like if you, you know, if you look like at somebody that's a magnificent painter and um, you want a mural painted on your house, you're going to feel confident in hiring this painter that you've seen his work time and time again to know that he's capable of giving you what you desire on, on your wall. Okay. And so we see this Yahshua, he's the creator of the universe and we understand he has the power to have this creative ability to create something in us that is magnificent, that is 
so different from anything we experienced in church or any kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be church. You know, um, I remember um, somebody in Albuquerque saying that they had gone out to California from their home in Oklahoma. They had moved out to California to join the Black Panthers. So again, it was somebody looking for something uh, of power and a movement to join, to so something to be a part of. So these are the things that people desire to belong. And here we are seeing this Yahshua. He has pulled us in. He has called us. He Then when he calls you, he justifies you. And after you're justified, you're glorified in righteousness. You're not glorified in, you know, I'll just use the example of black power because that's what this person told me that they had done. They had moved out there into California in, I don't know, maybe late 60s, early 70s to join that movement and and came like in the same week they got there, came to a class and were just captivated <laughs> by Yahshua and never, ever went to a that kind of a black power meeting or any part of it, just captivated by Yahshua. It's just a beautiful story. And we all have, we all have great testimonies because we're here. He got us here. Okay. So go ahead. Did you want Colossians? Uh, yes, please. Colossians where it talks about, um, yeah, that's what I started to find. I got sidetracked it too. Okay. So it's Colossians and it's down a little way, Bruce. Um, okay. Hang on. It's down just a little minute where it talks about, okay. Um, okay. We want to get that Yahshua. So, uh, I guess we would say in 12, one in 12 of Colossians. And then, uh, Scott, you can get John, uh, the first chapter. Okay, I was in Romans. I'm sorry. Uh, no problem. No problem. Whoever's got it. I have Colossians. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Colossians 1 and 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the sons in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So I, I just want to, you know, say right there, that this father has taken up the business of delivering us from darkness and placing us into a kingdom of his dear son. Now, his dear son is the figure that you see on the cross on the screen right now. He has placed us in the kingdom of Yahshua, the Messiah. Read on. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Now, remember where what we were reading about there in Romans that, okay, it's saying that he redeemed us, okay, and, and we have the forgiveness of sins. So going back to this same person here called us, justified us, glorified us. See, and when you have the forgiveness of sins, that's going to put you in righteousness. See, because you have no more, no more sin, no more spot, no more blemish. So you're going to be glorified. So this same 
uh, figure that's on the cross, he has redeemed us through his blood. So important. See, that this whole concept of shedding of blood is so powerful because it was the only blood that could do the job. Anybody else could have got up on that cross and it would not have had the same effect. So he redeemed us through his blood, gave us the forgiveness of sins. Go ahead. Who is the image of the invisible Elohim, the firstborn of every creature. So he's the image of Elohim. Now, you got to understand that it says over there, uh, uh, Scott, or or um, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Drew, grab. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to call you Dave. <laughs> grab John, the first chapter. See, okay. and these are the mysteries that Dr. Kinley was able to um, understand because Yahweh showed him how to understand them. And then Dr. Kinley brought them to us. So what what our testimony is, is that we don't, don't worship Dr. Kinley. We're just glad that Yahshua sent him with the truth and with the power of this gospel to give us this doctrine and for us to be able to be delivered from sin. And that's what our claim is, that by you having Yahshua put his spirit in you, you are delivered from sin and you are justified and you are glorified. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, grab onto it. You're, you're called, you're justified, and you're glorified in Yahshua the Messiah. And it says, you know, if Yahweh be with you, who can be against you? Even if you drive down the road and you get you know, get into it with somebody on the road, they cut you off and they're sending all kinds of hand gestures and, the, you know, it's it's making you miserable. You just, if Yahweh be for you, who can be against you? And that's the way it's going to be. See, we're the sons of light. So go ahead. Where in John did you want? Uh, okay, I just want that point about the beginning of John where it's talking about in the beginning right. of when... When all this has started, when Yahweh moves from that pure spirit state and he moves into a shape and form, and then he begins this creation. See, there we go. And he's showing this to Moses. He begins, begins this creation. And the point is the same one that began the creation and showed it to Moses is the exact same one that's hanging on the cross. See, and my point is to bring to everyone's attention that may not know it is that this deity, this Yahshua, the Messiah, is a powerful creator. And once I understand that he's a powerful creator and he puts it in my heart and mind, I go back to the Law and the Prophets and I see each time he was a powerful creator in different events and different situations, then you understand how he's a powerful creator in your heart and in your mind. If I can see that this Yahshua has the power over the seas, and he has the power over the fire and over the winds and over the rains, and he can, you know, create 12,000 fish and feed the multitudes, and he can do all these things and create things that you and I know we can't do. And then you start to say when he says that he's going to put the spirit in us, 
let this mind be in you that was also in Yahshua the Messiah. Now you got something because this mind is something else. I'll just show you what I mean. Just hang on to our thoughts. I'll just show you what I mean. Okay. When it talks over there in Philippians, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Yahshua the Messiah, who, hang on, who being in the form of Yahweh Elohim, thought it not robbery to be equal with Yahweh. So we're talking about these powers of creation that are magnificent. You look at the sun in the sky, you look at the planets, even look at the things that are catastrophic, like winds and tsunamis and, and things of the creation, the way the animals interject with each other and the way we are dependent on the plants and the plants are, plants are dependent on us. And it shows these um, examples of, you know, us being dependent on the angels or, or the angels having uh, life of a life without blood and us having life with blood. There's just so many powerful things in the creation, but we don't want to stay there, which a lot of people stay there. They, you know, they, they specifically are biologists or they specifically uh, study marine life all their life. They study gorillas. I'm not saying that's not in, interesting and important, but the thing is to understand the creator, to understand the one that put it there. And to say, if he can keep all this going and he showed us, I'm going to do the same for you. See, that's my point, is to get this understood that this creator that we have found ourselves in love with is so powerful. And when that mystery of iniquity comes riding on your heels, that's your that's your weapon. That's yeah. your uh your guardian angel saying, uh-uh, no, not today, not today. Okay, so go ahead. So we're we're talking about in John, right, Bruce? I got right. you in John. Right. And we'll just read down a little minute there, John okay. 1 and 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, In so we're just taking God, we're just taking the whole, the all of spirit, and we're saying that spirit, word, the word came from spirit. So the word, not being your Bible, those are the words, plural. The word is what we got this little arrow going around. Something that comes in shape and form and has a job to do. And it says, this word was with Yahweh. This word mm -hmm. was Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Critical. Because we're right there, we're making such a line of demarcation between us and just about every Christian, uh, you know, doctrine you can think of. That's where they get Trinity. And that's where we go our separate ways. Because we're saying not Trinity, we're saying unity. It's just Yahweh in shape and form. Okay, so go ahead. Fourth verse. In him was life, 
And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from Yahweh whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Okay, that so was, Bruce, now what was that? What was that? He he didn't bear witness to Yahweh Elohim, right? Who did John mm -hmm. bear witness to? You can get that over in Matthew, the third chapter. Who does John bear witness to? Yahshua. Yahshua the Messiah, that's right. Right. So now you're getting the clue of the unity and not the Trinity. Okay, keep going. Okay. Eight, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now, isn't that isn't that a true statement? He's in the world. He's hanging around with the disciples. He's going from town to town. You got the scribes. You got the Pharisees. And they're going up against him like they have some power over him. And they try to beat him at his own game. See, they did not understand who that was in that body. And they certainly thought, we got this guy beat. Because they would have never did the things they did if they didn't think they had one up. Okay, so keep going. Ten. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of Yahweh, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, so do you remember where we were over in Romans? Okay, yes. where it was said that, I'm going to just pick it up real quick. For, I'm just in Romans 8 and 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, right? It says to John, he's going to give power to the children of Yahweh. So he's already got the, the list. He's already got the names for that who he did foreknow. They were predestinated right. to be conformed to the image of Yahshua. Okay. Right that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. So this list that he's carrying with him of the ones that are predestinated and are foreknown, Yahshua is going to be the head, and the list, the people on the list, are going to be the body. Okay? And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he's calling. And you got the witnesses of him calling the disciples. And those disciples didn't join a club they didn't join the band he went to them and said follow me follow me follow me and that's exactly what they did so now over in john john's just picking up the same idea of the story and he's saying he gave them power right, once right. again this creativity this power to be able to become the children of yahweh even to them that believe on his name. He gave you the power to believe on his name. Because how many times have you run into somebody that did not receive that power to believe on the name? And they mock it. And they say weird 
things about it. And they say, that can't be right. Where'd you get that? See? And I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was amazing that they said God had a name, but it was very foreign to me because I was raised with Lord God and Jesus Christ. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now pick up 13 in 13. John. Which, oh, in John, yeah. Which were 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of Yahweh. Now, do you see what, what he just read there? These people that are being given the power to become the children of Yahweh, okay, they're born not of blood. So in other words, you know how if you're born into, uh, like say if you're born into a rich family, okay, you're born of blood into this richness, like, you know, all these heiresses, like I forgot how much billions of dollars the heiress of Walmart's is worth. You know, she's born of blood into that empire okay nor of the will of the flesh so it doesn't matter how badly you wanted somebody to be born into this doctrine that's not what it's going to be and we've all experienced that in some way or another nor of the will of man but of Yahweh so this is specially chosen remember what we read he predestinated us he called us he justified us and he glorified us. So it's it can't be any of our ideas because it says in Isaiah, our ideas aren't his ideas. Mm-hmm. So we, we've got to respect that and we've got to understand that. And when things don't go our way, we know what we've already read in the book, that there's a set way that's being worked out through the ages and generations and it's not our way it's his way and thank goodness okay now 14 is is this powerful verse go ahead and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth okay now see the word now remember what we read over there in the first couple verses in the beginning was the word Yahweh Elohim, the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh, okay? So this shape and form that Yahweh took on, okay, it was Yahweh, and it was with Yahweh, okay? Now, that word is what takes on flesh and walks around in his creation and ends up on the cross. Now, the point to all that is not to say a sad story about what happened to Yahshua because it was all predicted and it was all set in place and in form so that Yahshua would die on the cross, pour out his spirit in the hearts and minds of those that were pre-selected and that we would be glorified in him. And so it's a lot for somebody to hear and somebody to um, understand totally different from Christianity where you decide to join the church of your choice, totally different. And to say, he picked me up and he dusted me off and he justified me and glorified me in righteousness. So now I'm in the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. 
And the very one that creates the creation and creates the animal kingdom and the bird kingdom and the fish and all the things that are going on in our creation and keeps it in a harmony suddenly abides within us and keeps us in a harmony in righteousness in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, why is that important? Okay, just for a second, somebody go over there and somebody grab John. And that would be the third chapter. I'm sorry, first John, the third chapter, because you're not going to find too many people proclaiming what we're proclaiming that what John's talking about in these verses. So I want you to start three and seven. And first John. Scott, you got it. First John three and seven. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of Yahshua doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of Yahweh. Now, this is going to be in direct opposition of somebody that you may talk to that's in a different religion. Because they have revivals and they call them slipping off the rock. And they have different things where people have said they, they've received the spirit and yet they sin. And so they have to have they have to have some kind of fix for these people that they you know don't fall away from that church or that organization so what's being said here is the same one that keeps the sun in the sky because he's so powerful and he is the almighty that same one is the one that's able to keep you from sin and to keep you from the works of the devil because he was he's going to destroy the works of the devil and guess what that's that's the stuff in you that was happening before he converted your heart and your mind you you had um i can show you that uh just real quick it just dawned on me in ephesians just read two and one to show what paul's talking about our shape and our condition and before we got this conversion and we had those works of the devil quite close to us. Okay. And if you're honest, Frank already told you his testimony. Okay. And he talked about his fear, his guilt, his weakness. And there's none of that in the body of Yahshua. There is none of that. You're free. You're liberated from that kind of thing. But we'll just make this point in Ephesians 2 and 1. Ephesians 2 and 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, so Bruce, what's that? What are we talking about there? Are we not talking about the works of the devil working in you? He's not working on your shoulder. He is in you. He is making you 
do all the crazy things that you did before you were had your conversion. Just like Paul. Paul was consenting to killing Yashuans before his conversion. I mean, you can't get any more stark than Paul's story to see what that guy was doing. I mean, he was some serious stuff. He's consenting to killing people because that's how much he is into that old covenant. And those people he felt were against the Mosaic law. So now we're talking about we walked according to the prince of the power of the air. And you can find over in other spots just who that is. That's the mystery of iniquity. The prince of the power of the air. Now, isn't that something? You may not have picked that up. Okay, just who that was. But it says the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. Now, look at when Yahshua was on that cross, he knows he's got to go to that cross. He knows that cup is not going to pass from him. He said, let this cup pass from me. But he knew he was going to do the will of the father. And guess what that is? Obedience. So we know that without a shadow of a doubt, we're going to be obedient. And it does not come as, you know, like it, it does not come like it's so, so hard and so awful because I said, I read in Philippians, let this mind be in you. So, you know, the, the cherished, polished work that's going to come after you've gone through what you have to go through and you come through obedient, you're going to be that son, that glorified son. And it's beautiful. Because you're not going to have condemnation. And didn't we read that in Romans, the first yeah. chapter? You're not going to have condemnation. And Frank, did you ever know anything about that when you're in the Catholic Church? I think so. They preyed on people to have condemnation because condemnation creates fear. And fear makes people do things they wouldn't normally do. But because they're afraid, they're going to do it. And, and it's a powerful thing, see? And since we've been liberated and we don't fear death, the devil has really lost his his take on, you know, his clutch on us because that was what he always had on everybody. At the end of the day, the fear of death. He doesn't have that on us anymore. We're liberated. We're free, okay? So now we're talking about, we in First John, the third chapter, that whosoever is born of Yahweh does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of Yahweh. And that takes us right back to where we were in the scripture, talking about being predestined, talking about being called, talking about being justified, and then at the end, talking about being glorified. And there's so many parts of like um, the temple, and like the tabernacle where the, these vessels are made of gold and the dome of the, of the temple made of this magnificent gold so that it would outshine the noonday sun. We're talking about this glory. And um, let's go over and just pick up where this glory really is coming from. If we look at Matthew, the 17th chapter, we look at Yahshua, the Messiah, giving everybody a little peek about what this glory is about because they had seen him as a man, okay? And now they're going to see him take off that bag of flesh and they're 
you're going to see what's really going on. And guess who's there? Moses. Now, what happened to Moses? Moses, was he not called? Yes, he was called. And was he not picked up? And was he not justified? Yes, he was. But guess what happens to Moses? We kind of lose him for a minute because Moses smites the rock. And we know that that's not a son of obedience. So we're saying, okay, what happened to Moses? Because Joshua is the one that ends up taking him over to Canaan's land. Now, don't worry about Moses. It's all set up. Moses cannot take the children into the promised land because that's typifying Yahshua taking us into the revelation. And Moses isn't the one that has that power. Moses needs a revelation, but he's not the one that has the power to take us into Canaan's land or to take us into the most holy place and to give us that revelation. So we've got to see all these things come together. But when we look at this transfiguration of Yahshua, who's there? Moses and John the Baptist. And what happens to John the Baptist, I might add? John the Baptist was beheaded. And what's happening right there? He's all put back together. And he's all in Yahshua the Messiah. All taken care of. So if we go over there and we read in the 17th chapter, start at one, please. Matthew 17 and 1. And after six days, Yahshua taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Okay, and hang he, on a minute, Bruce. Now look at, was I not talking about the temple, and was I not talking about the gold that was placed in the tabernacle that would have been glorious that would have been shining okay now it's just an example of what's going on with this yashua he is outshining the noon day sun now that's the zenith that's the strongest part of the day for the sun and yashua is outshining it his face did shine like the sun go ahead and behold Third verse, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Yahshua, Master, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. Now that's pretty powerful because you know what? If we were reading that before our, our uh, coming into class, would that have made any sense to anybody no. because the tabernacle was talked about way back in exodus and unless you are a fast reader and you kept a, kept a train of thought who would remember why would he be talking about making tabernacles <laughs> it's and you can see how the hand is over here showing us how these 70 elders and then you got aaron nadab and abio by you the elder and the two sons and they're looking up at a vision, and they see this Yahshua, okay? And Moses has a panoramic vision of Elohim. Five minutes, Dr. Kometi. Thank you. What does Moses see Elohim do? Change into the tabernacle, change back into himself. And then this creativity, this creative power brings the creation out of his side. 
And guess what females do when they're trying to bring forth a creation? We bring it forth out of our side. That baby grows from our belly. And if you look to the side, you can see that creation. And that's where it's coming from. It doesn't come from our ear or from the calf. It comes from our abdomen. And this is where this Yahshua is showing that creation is coming out of his side. And you know something? That woman came out of the side of Adam to follow that same example. And you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be going right back in the same way that everything came out into the side when this whole thing gets wrapped up. So let's just, um, let me see. Do I need any more there in Matthew, Bruce? Um, uh, go ahead. The fifth verse, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud which said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased hear ye him this is my beloved son in who i am well pleased hear ye him now i just want to make a point if you're in the body of yahshua that means you too the beloved son who yahweh is going to accept and you can see the example of the high priest the high priest goes into that most holy place on the day of atonement, and he does not go in there without his woman. He has her adorned on. She is the garments of beauty and glory. She is on his heart, on the breastplate. She is being carried in on his shoulders. She is on the hem of the garment surrounding him. That is the woman, that is the bride that he's taken into the most holy place and saying, this is the glorification. This is what the end of the story is going to be. That Yahshua came down to do a job and had the power to make it happen and did the works of the father. Okay. And it said he you got to look at the word power as ye are able. And once that spirit is in you, ye are able. Uh, you know what? There's a scripture that I love, and I'm going to finish with that. And it's over in Revelation. And I'll just try to see it real quick. Um, I just know where it is on the page. Okay, so go to Revelation 21 and read verse 7. Revelation 21 and 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his Elohim, and he shall be my son. Now, do you see the power of that? Do you see the power of when you got your father and he's unified with you they can, no nothing can break that unity between the father and the son he that overcometh overcometh what we read it over there in ephesians the prince of the power of the air now it's not us overcoming the devil we we definitely don't have that ability but see that yashua the messiah in us he sends that devil home and he gets them he sends them out and it showed time and time again in our scriptures how Yahshua commanded those demons to come out of people. And what was that story for? When we're sitting here reading it on our bedside, 
what was that story for? To show he had the power to knock something out of you as well. See, and that's why we read the scriptures. And that's why we read what's going on when Yahshua does his thing when he's on the earth. To see what he was doing and to know he had the power to do those things. See, and he'll do the same for me. And he'll do the same for you. And I turn it back to the moderator. Thank you very much, Dr. Kometi. And we will refer back to the Dean to call on the next speaker. Thank you. And uh, I'm very pleased to announce for our last speaker this evening, the Dean of Oceanside, California, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I want to say good evening to everyone, and I want to say that this has been a very, very stimulating class tonight. Uh, there was so much that both speakers got into and broke open that uh, I want to try to just work with a few of the things that they said, and hopefully I can just uh, build on their foundation. Now, uh, Dr. DeMassey, when he was testifying, uh, referred to over there in Romans, the ninth chapter, where uh, Paul writes that there was uh, a potter that had power over the, the lump of clay, the same lump of clay, to bring forth one vessel unto honor and another one unto, uh, unto dishonor. And this was after he expressed uh, Yahweh's will and purpose and how he had a uh, cause certain things to uh, occur that we read about in particular back in the book of Genesis. And he talked about Esau and Jacob, how that Yahweh uh, instructed Rebekah that the elder shall serve the younger, and then made the statement subsequent to that, that Esau, uh, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, they came from the same source, but both of them were uh, set up to play their part in the purpose. Now, Dr. Kinley used to all, as said many times, and it's in a transcript, uh, he talked about that every one of us have a part to play in the purpose of Yahweh. Whether you believe or you don't believe, whether you know or you don't know, you're still playing your part from which Yahweh purposed all things to follow uh, his, his will. Now, what I want to talk about is this idea of the clay. And I also want to talk about in our scripture reading tonight, uh, we read that uh, in Romans the 8th chapter, I want you to go down where he talks about uh, uh, that he created the creature, subject to vanity. Yeah, okay. Let's see. Romans. I'm not sure where it is. It's in Romans the 8th chapter. I don't know. I'm going to guess. Uh, 15th, 16th verse, I'm not sure. I'm sorry, Scott. All of a sudden, I can't hear it. It's Romans 8, 8 and let's see, 29, for whom he did foreknow. No. No? That's not what I want. Okay, let me go into Romans. I'll find it myself because... Um, 20th verse. It's before that. It's it, it's before we get to that point. Verse 20. 20. Uh, hang on one second. 
why don't we start yep. at uh well let's go ahead and uh let's talk read 19. 19. for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of yahweh read for the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Now, when we talk about vanity there, and it talks about how he created the creature subject to vanity. Now, the word vanity uh, has, by definition, it means to be empty or devoid or have no value. And in Strong's, it talks about being also futile, you know, useless in a sense. Now, Deb, I think, made reference to this uh, point or this principle. Uh, Paul talks about how that, uh, uh, that we were by nature the children of wrath, uh, you know, when we were out in the world, so to speak, as we say, before we had any information or knowledge of this teaching. Now, what I'm looking at is how that we were like the rest of the clay before we came down here. Every one of us were in the same exact condition as everybody else in the world. Now, in that condition is that every one of us were carnally minded, meaning not just that we our thoughts were always about the flesh and uh, satisfying the desires of the flesh, but truthfully, we had no idea what spirit was or the existence of spirit or that uh, that 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 uh, what the Creator actually was in truth. We knew nothing about that, and nor did we really give it a, a lot of thought and concern. We thought it was just a matter when we were out in our religions as a Catholic, a Jew, a Protestant. Doesn't matter. You got to believe in God, and that's how you go to heaven. That's exactly what we basically were taught. Now, what we came to learn when we're down here is that. As Dr. Kinley said in one of the transcripts, he said that the carnal mind or the depraved nature has to be elevated to a higher plane of consciousness. And so the reason for that is Dr. Kinley also had said that the carnal mind cannot penetrate the spiritual things or the spirit of Yahweh. Now with that carnal mind, ladies and gentlemen, we haven't got any hope. We are the darkness that didn't see the light. Now, the scripture was read about how that the light shined in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Now, none of us saw the light before we came down here. We were not conscious whatsoever that the creation was a mere image manifestationally of Yahweh and how he actually is and truthfully exists. We did not know that. And we had to be taught these things. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. Because Romans talks about, uh, there's so many uh, developmental aspects, in, and, and as, as uh, 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 Frank had said, that, that particular scripture uh, is taking you through a myriad of different aspects of this teaching. And, you know, uh, we know that Paul uh, discussed in the seventh chapter of Romans about the state that he was in prior to him having his vision and revelation. And that the things that he wanted to do, he didn't do. The things he told other people not to do, he found himself doing. And he didn't know sin except the law said, thou shalt not covet. 
thou shalt not, you know, and all these things. So now he comes in contact with his heart set on going down to Damascus to have more of these people preaching Yahshua Messiah put to death. That was what he was driven to do. He was motivated in that. And he's on his way down to Damascus, and uh, Yahshua causes him to be uh, knocked to the ground, if you will, uh, just as the founder went passed out right in his rocking chair and was caught up into eternity, the same thing happened to Paul. Paul was just caught right up into the spirit and was having direct communication with Yahshua. And I can say this to you with confidence, as, it, as our founder also has expressed, that Paul had a change of heart from what he had intended in his heart while he was traveling the road to Damascus and then what was in his heart after he had that vision and revelation that was given to him by Yahshua the Messiah. Now the heart is where the whole thing sits. This is where the change has to take place because without the right heart, the truth cannot penetrate that, that hard heart. Now you say, well, how do you know that? Well, seventh chapter of Acts of the Apostles, Paul the Apostle was, uh, had the authority to have Stephen stoned to death. And he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Now, Stephen ran down a litany of witnesses down through the law and the prophets and how that they were pointing ultimately to Yahshua the Messiah. Now, Paul sat there and heard those things that were said, and not one of those scriptures that were solid witnesses to what Stephen was trying to get across and preach penetrated into Saul's heart to change it. Saul was still determined after that to go down and kill more of these followers of Yahshua. And I think that's pretty simple. And Paul said that he was an injurious man and a blasphemer. He said that about himself. Now, what... What was it that caused the change of heart in Paul? What all of a sudden brought, took him away from a cause that he firmly believed in, was motivated and driven thinking he was doing the right thing, that he was doing a service to Elohim, is the way he would look at it, or if they used Adonai back there, Adonai. But here's the point. The point is that only, only Yahshua, has the power to cause a change in somebody's heart. And it took Yahshua to catch him up and be, begin to open up to him those scriptures that he had studied for all his life that caused a change in his heart, that caused him to have a heart now that was humble, that was contrite, that was able to accept chastisement and able to love the truth. That heart was crucial to his salvation, and he had to get it from Yahshua. Now, uh, I want you to go over for a minute, I want you to go over for a minute to, to the 17th chapter of Jeremiah, if you wouldn't mind. And let me tell you where I want you to go, because we're not going to read the whole chapter. Go to, uh, uh, let's go to 17, let's see here, I'll pull it up right now, am I? Okay, let's start. I, I don't have time to work with all of this. I'm on short time. Uh, let's start at 9. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Who can know it? Now listen, he said the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, you know, Dr. Kinley used to say this to us all the time back then. You might have even heard it in a lecture or even read it in a transcript. He said, you are your own worst enemy. And all of us have had our own hearts deceive us into thinking and believing that we could justify something that our conscience told us not to do. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Read the next verse. I always search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. Now listen, listen. When we read the word reins there, let me tell you what reins is in Strong's Concordance. One of the definitions, other than it talking about various organs, it talks about uh, figuratively the inner self. It's talking about that the reins are the inner self. Now that means that part of you and that part of me that not too many of the people and possibly nobody really knows you that deep. I want you to know that your creator is the only one that knows what's going on down inside the depths of your soul. Things that you would not express to your very spouse that your kids don't know about, your parents don't know. Yahweh knows those things, ladies and gentlemen. And what we see is that Yahshua talks about how the heart is the source of both evil fruit and good fruit. And you can read about that over in Matthew. That, that uh, uh, know a tree by its fruit, and that fruit proceeds out of an uh, evil fruit, proceeds out of an evil heart and good fruit out of a good heart. Well, I want you to know that none of us walked in here with a good heart as much as you deceived yourself into believing that you were a good person, that you had a good heart. Because we tell ourselves these things because we need to believe that so that we can then continue to justify violating our conscience. Now, what I want you to know is this, that, see, this is what, the, what, what has to happen. Every one of us have to be brought down to the state of being facing the truth and being able to accept correction and chastisement and to be humble. Now why is that so important? We read in over there in Isaiah that Yahweh said, Thus saith the high and lofty one who uh, dwelleth in eternity with him who is of a humble and contrite spirit or heart. Now contrite means broken down with sorrow. And we have to understand that that condition puts us right in the uh, position now uh, of being able to be corrected and causes us to be not high on ourselves or holier than thou, if you will. And every one of us have to recognize that we need help. We need something that can, as the ability to change us down in the depths of our souls, to change our heart, to have a change of heart. Now, we were created that way because we read that uh, over there that Yahweh, by his will, made the creature subject to vanity. Not by your will, but his will. In other words, you would have never willed yourself to be vain or empty, but Yahweh put everybody in that state. And when we, go, we could go right back to Adam and Eve. 
Now what happened is when uh, Yahweh gave the commandment to Adam to be fruitful and multiply, we know that they didn't have any children till after the transgression. That's when Abel and Cain came forth, is after that transgression. Now Yahweh had purposely set that up that way, that the children weren't going to come forth in the Garden of Eden because the children inherit that DNA and heart and condition from their parents. So when when uh, Adam partook of the fruit, Eve, Eve of course was deceived, and Adam then willingly laid down his life for his bride and partook of the fruit, what happened was that uh, they were sent forth from the garden and death was pronounced upon all men. We know that everybody inherited the Adamic transgression, uh, excuse me, the Adam, uh, yes, we were, we, we were imputed with the sin of the Adamic transgression until the Messiah comes in and makes an atonement for it. But what I want you to know is that we all inherited that, that Adamic nature that Adam had after he came out of the garden, which made us subject to deception and to violate our conscience and to be disobedient. And that's why Paul said over in Ephesians, he talked about how all of us were by nature the children of wrath. And he goes on there in Ephesians to talk about how, you know, and, uh, such were some of you. Now, what I want you to know is that that was by design. That was not just by happenstance that it just worked out that way. Yahweh orchestrated all things right from the beginning for this purpose, that, that would occur down through ages and dispensations of time. He orchestrated that so there was a necessity, an absolute need that, that, uh, that can't be taken lightly or, or to be not that valuable, a need for something to be able to come in and correct our nature and to straighten us out. And that means that we needed a savior that we needed one that would be the source of all righteousness, all good, all good with a, with a heart of gold, ladies and gentlemen, with the love uh, of pure love, uh, uh, that, that also being, uh, here Yahshua being the creator himself, also manifested humility and allowed these people to, uh, to do things to him uh, when they crucified him and to, uh, uh, you know, uh, speak evil things about him and all kind of false accusations, the whole, the whole thing. And he was able to humble himself knowing it was the will of the Father. Now, what I want you to know is Yahweh had to set that up. He had to set up that the creatures that were foreordained to be converted first has to be put in that state of vanity. Just like, and I'm going to go back uh, to this chart right here, the migratory pattern. If you could blow that up again, uh, blow that migratory pattern, that section up for me, Greg, I'd appreciate it. Now, we know that the Israelites were already in the land of Canaan. And Yahweh orchestrated for uh, Joseph to be sent down into Egypt. You all know the story. And then eventually to interpret the dream of Pharaoh 
and to tell them that there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So that during the seven years of plenty, they wouldn't just sell off all the grain or eat it all up or whatever you want to imagine, but to store it, to save it, to get them through the lean years. So when Joseph did that uh, interpretation of that dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh uh, was so moved by his great wisdom that he named him second to him in all the land of Egypt and gave him a name called Zapaphania, which in the Young's Concordance says it means Savior of the world. And he was 30 years old. Now that has to be a type of Yahshua, we understand that. But he was going to bring them down, have the family brought down into Egypt where he could provide food for them. And this was the way Yahweh set up the whole thing to put Israel eventually into captivity so that they then, according to the purpose, would be delivered and saved from the hand of Pharaoh who was threatening their lives. Now, Yahweh sets up all this because it is analogous to his purpose spiritually. We're seeing the physical playing out of these various things, but really it's your soul cannot be acceptable to Yahweh in the condition it was in when you walked in the room. And right. unless there be a change that takes place in us and a deliverer, somebody that can bring us out of this state that we're in, none of us have any hope. Now, what he did is Yahweh put them into captivity so that when he delivered them from that captivity, and as we know, at the, he led them right to the Red Sea. The people don't know that Yahweh's going to open the Red Sea when they get there. So they think they're going to die, and they have the fear of death. And Moses has to tell them to stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh that he will show you this day. Now, Yahweh has to demonstrate that he's salvation to, the, to those chosen people, those Israelites that were chosen by him. Now, we understand that what he's doing now, he took them out of the land they once were in, put them down there into Egypt. None of them knew or remembered anything about that land because it was 400 years earlier. So they didn't know what to expect when they got up there, what it was really going to be like. They had to uh, believe in the promise and follow the cloud, and they came uh, kicking and stomping the entire way out of Egypt. Now, what happens is when Yahweh gets up to that sea, and shows that he's their salvation, it was for him and his name to be glorified. So he put the people in captivity and then set up the purpose so that they would be scared to death, thinking they were going to be slaughtered by Pharaoh, only to show them that, he, that his intention, that he would deliver them, that he cared about them or loved them, and so that when he opened that sea and brought them through and then drowned Pharaoh or got rid of the mystery of iniquity, they would have great rejoicing and praise to Yahweh for saving them. And I want you to see that all of this is an analogy. And he has to put them in that state to deliver them out so that they'll know something about his very nature. Yahweh's purpose has always been this. No, you can't see Yahweh in that state of pure spirit. No man can. But he, he knows that those attributes cannot be comprehended, seen, or whatever you want to call it, in pure spirit. So he has to manifest the attributes so that we actually know, we actually know the very nature of Yahweh himself. Now, I'll use an analogy. Let's say 
you're a blind person and you've never seen somebody, uh, seen people visually, but you somehow meet up with somebody that you don't know what they look like, you don't know uh, any characteristics of them, but you get to be talking and you perceive a, a, a different kind of perception or seeing that this person is kind, that they're very uh, uh, considerate and caring and tender and loving. You have never seen the outside of that person, but you know that nature that is in that person which causes you to love that person and feel a connection to them because you see their inner self, even though you can't see their outer self. Sure. Now, what Yahweh can't show you his outer self, because the truth is you can't get outside of him to turn around and look back at him. But he can try to reveal his inner self to you by demonstration and manifestation that allows you to know him on an intimate level or know his very nature. And that's what you learn about this person when you're in the state where you're blind, you don't know what they look like, but you get to love the, the person's soul or their nature, their characteristics, how gentle and kind they are, how caring, how affectionate they might be with you. All of these things cause you to know that person on a much deeper level. Now, what Yahweh is doing is he wants to bring us to a knowledge and understanding of him on the, if you will, that level of knowing him. I, I hate to use the word on the inside because that doesn't necessarily do it uh, justice, but I'm trying to get a point across if you followed my analogy. We're getting to know Yahweh's nature. We're getting to understand something about this magnificent creator that is beyond comprehension. But we know the love and the mercy and the kindness and the wisdom and the great intelligence and knowledge because he's demonstrating it. He's manifesting it down through his purpose. Now, let me show you this. Let's go over for a minute because uh, I see I'm running out of time already. Uh, let's go over for a minute to... Uh, I want you to go to... Um, I want you to go to... I believe it is, uh, hang on, I just had it, Romans, Romans, oh, I know why I didn't find it here, okay, I know, I know where it is now, hang on, I want you to go to Romans 14 and 17, this is a scripture we all know, but I want to, I want to bring something out here, Romans 14 and 17, 17. for the kingdom of Right. For the kingdom of Yahweh is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us that were raised in churches thought the kingdom was an external dwelling, like a castle, because uh, we always had this medieval uh, image in our mind when we went to the Catholic Church about God living in a castle and we were going to live within the confines of that castle with him and all these kind of things. But that's not it. The kingdom, we find out, is not a geographical place. The kingdom is a state or an experience on the, on, in the soul of righteousness, peace, and joy. And where is it? It's in, in the, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Isn't that what it says? That's right. Now, yes. watch. It's in the Holy Spirit. Now, Here's what we find out. Let's go to the 25th chapter of Matthew here for a minute. 
and I want to get you to the right uh, area because we're not going to read the whole chapter, obviously. I want you to go down to... Oh, gosh. I hit Matthew uh, 25, 1, and it took me to Jeremiah. Something's wrong here. Here we go. All right, here we go. It keeps taking me to Jeremiah. Will somebody get over to Matthew 25? My, my phone app here is not working right. And I don't know why, but I want to go to Matthew 25, and I want you to get down to when Yahshua is going to come with his mighty angels, if you can find what verse that is. Oh, finally got down there. Okay. What do you got? What, what do you got? And 31. It's 31? Uh, yeah. Let me, get up there Let me get up there with you so I make sure we're start where I want. There you go. Thank you. Read there, Scott. Okay. Uh, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Mm -hmm. Read. And before him shall he be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Mm -hmm. And he shall set the, sh the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Mm -hmm. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's what I wanted. Now we read that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We know where it mm -hmm. is. And he says here that the kingdom was prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Now, uh, Moses chart, please. Now, we know on the Moses chart, when Moses was down there, uh, if you will, in, uh, 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 down there in the wilderness of Sinai, and he goes up into the mountain, we see that that visionary form of Elohim there precedes the vision of the creation of the world, Right. Now, what we have to understand is the kingdom was prepared from the foundations of the world. And the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Which means that the Holy Spirit was there right from the foundations, but was you were not able to partake of it at that point. Nobody was in the kingdom of the Holy Spirit at the foundations of the world. Now, what we know had to happen is this. We know that he had to orchestrate and bring down everything that we see up at the top of the chart, the creation. But we also know when we look at the uh, uh, ages chart that he has to operate by setting up his purpose down through the antediluvian, post-diluvian uh, ages, where he's setting up by coming down from the Garden of Eden, all those type shadows, manifestations, allegories, coming right out of the Garden of Eden all the way down to the time of Yahshua the Messiah. Now that means that the kingdom was prepared from the foundations, but not accessible yet. Now Yahshua has to come in first, and he has to fulfill everything that was set up. And he fulfills it, not just ending certain practices, which we know he did, of the law, but he also has to bring it to a point where he is going to reveal 
how that represents and teaches us about Yahweh's purpose and plan. So on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, remember he told his apostles in the 10th chapter of Matthew to go out and, and go into the byways and the cities and, and preach to them and say to them that the kingdom of Yahweh is at hand, which means it's ready to, ready to be launched, if you will. I'll put it that way. Yet it was prepared from the foundations of the world. Now on the day of Pentecost, once the Holy Spirit was put within those souls, not only was the Holy Spirit put within them, but they were put in the kingdom at the same time. That is when the kingdom now is accessible. That is when the kingdom now is being inherited. And so what I want you to write, that's why we call it the kingdom age, ladies and gentlemen, but yet the kingdom was set up right from the beginning. But now with the Holy Spirit, it's going to enter into the depths of your soul, down into the heart, down into the, the, the reins, as it says over there, and it's going to start causing changes to take place in each and every one of us. And those changes are going to cause us then to also reflect, demonstrate, and manifest the divine nature. Now, we don't have it all. Every one of us are subject yet to growth and development in the spirit. But I'm sure there's some things that you have seen a change take place within you. And maybe you seeing it in other people that are you're close within the teaching. Because we're all moving towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. That means to be perfect in that divine nature. We have the Holy Spirit and the changes have already started. And you just need to follow the cloud, just like Israel was told back there to follow that cloud, and that cloud would get them out of Egypt. The cloud in this case, we read, wherefore seeing were compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. The witnesses, the things we learn by coming down and sitting up under the teaching, and faith cometh by hearing. Now what happens is the more you hear the purpose opened up, explained, the more it is impactful in your thinking and in the way you feel about the way, the way you'll treat each other, the way you will react to things, all of that is going to cause changes in us so that we become more and more and more a reflection of the divine nature of Yahshua the Messiah. And we know that Paul said that the law was the law of sin and death, but he did say that thank, he thanked Yahshua that uh, through the law of the spirit of life. Now, the law of the spirit of life is the divine nature, ladies and gentlemen. That divine nature is a law in of itself. And that's the law that will convert the soul, not the Mosaic law. It's the law of the spirit of life. And when that's put in you, it's going to, it has the power to cause changes that you could never have done on your own. And we are we are partaking of the spirit and now we that were part of the clay like everybody else we are being shapen and that's why in Romans tonight it said that whom he did foreknow he did call and justified and called them to that they might be conformed to the image of his dear son now the image isn't you're going to have a beard and look Jewish the image is that, <laughs> the image is that you are going to be a reflection of the divine nature. And if, when he said at John's baptism, this is my beloved son in whom, in whom I am well pleased. Not outside of him, I'm pleased, but I'm pleased because Yahshua 
always manifested the attributes of Yahweh and was a reflection on the Father himself. Therefore, we want that same thing to happen with us where Yahweh at the end of this age said, this is my beloved son, he's talking about you now, in, in whom I am well pleased because we're reflecting and demonstrating the divine nature. That's why we stay in class. None of us have gotten to perfection. But Dr. Kinley said, what I got instantaneously, you're going to get piecemeal. He said, you're not perfect yet. You won't be perfect till you receive that immortal glorified body. But he said, you are perfect for the state and condition for which you're in. So you should, right. you should want to continuously come to class and hope at each class that the Holy Spirit reveals something to you that makes you even more perfect so that we can continue to press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling in Yahshua. I thank you very much for the opportunity. I hope what I said made some sense, and I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you very much, Dr. Fulpe. And that'll conclude our class. I'd like to thank everyone that has attended. We will conclude the class with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude in the Holy Name Bible. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let the class say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.